part two story five of blazed trail stories and stories of the wild life by stuart edward white this librivox recording is in the public domain story five the saving grace once upon a time there was an editor of a magazine who had certain ideas concerning short stories this is not wonderful for editors have such ideas and when they find a short story which corresponds they accept it with joy and pay good sums for it this particular editor believed that a short story should be realistic let us have things as they are he was accustomed to cry to his best friend or the printer's devil or the office cat whichever happened to be the handiest life is great enough to say things for itself without having to be helped out by the mawkish sentimentality of an idiot permit us to see actual people living actual lives in actual houses and i should hope we have common sense enough to draw our own morals he usually made these chaotic exclamations after reading through several pages of very neat manuscript in which the sentences were long and involved and in which were employed polysyllabic adjectives of a poetic connotation this editor liked short crisp sentences he wanted his adjectives served hot he despised poetic connotation being only an editor his name was brown if he had been a writer he would have had three names beginning with successive letters of the alphabet now one day it happened that there appeared before this editor brown a young man bearing a roll of manuscript how he had gotten by the office boy brown could not conceive and rolled manuscript usually gave him spasms the youth however presented a letter of introduction from brown's best friend he said he had a story to submit and he said it with a certain appearance of breathlessness at the end of the sentence which showed brown that it was his first story brown frowned inwardly and smiled outwardly he begged the youth to take a seat as all the seats were filled with unopened papers and unbound books the youth said he preferred to stand brown asked the youth questions in a perfunctory manner not because he cared to know anything about him but because he liked the man who had written the letter the youth's name proved to be severn and he was the most serious-minded youth who had ever stepped from college into writing he spoke of ideals brown concluded that the youth's story probably dealt with the time of the chaldean astronomers and contained a deep symbolical truth couched in language of the school of bulwer lytton or marie corelli so after the youth had gone he seized the roll of manuscript for the purpose of glancing through it if he had imagined the story of any merit he would not have been in such haste but as his best friend had introduced the writer he thought he would like to get a disagreeable task over at once he glanced the story through then he read it carefully then he slammed it down hard on his desk to the vast confusion of some hundreds of loose memoranda which didn't matter much anyway and uttered a big bad word the sentences in the story were short and crisp the adjectives were served very hot indeed there was not a single bit of poetic connotation it described life as it really was brown the editor published the story and paid a good price for it severn the author wrote more stories and sold them to brown 
the two men got to be very good friends and severn heard exactly how brown liked short stories and why and how his severn's stories were just that kind all this would have been quite an ideal condition of affairs and an object lesson to a harsh world and other editors were it not that severn was serious-minded he had absolutely no sense of humour perspectives there were none for him and due proportions did not exist he took life hard he looked upon himself gravely as a serious proposition like the nebular hypothesis or phonetic reform the immediate consequence was that having achieved his success through realism he placed realism on a pedestal and worshipped it as the only true literary god severn became a realist of realists he ran it into the ground he would not describe a single incident that he had not viewed from start to finish with his own eyes he did not have much to do with feelings direct but such as were necessary to his story he insisted on experiencing in his own person otherwise the story remained unwritten and as for emotions such as anger or religion or fear he would attempt none whose savour he had not tasted for himself unkind and envious rivals not realists insisted that once severn had deliberately gotten very drunk on bowery whisky in order that he might describe the sensations of one of his minor characters in such a condition certain it is he soon gained the reputation among the unintelligent of being a crazy individual who paid people remarkably well to do strange and meaningless things for him he was always experimenting on himself and others this was ridiculous enough but it would hardly have affected any one but crusty old cranks who delight in talking about young fools were it not for the fact that severn was in love and that brings us to the point of our story of course he was in love in a most serious-minded fashion he did not get much fun out of it he brooded most of the time over lovers duties to each other and mankind he had likewise an exalted conception of the sacred holy and lofty character of love itself this is commendable but handicaps a man seriously girls do not care for that kind of love as a steady thing far be it from me to insinuate that those quite angelic creatures ever actually want to be kissed but if by any purely accidental chance circumstances bring it about that without their consent or suspicion a brute of a man might surprise them awfully well said brute does not gain much by not springing the surprise being adored on a pedestal is nice in public so you must see that severn's status in ordinary circumstances would be precarious conceive his fearful despair at finding his heart irrevocably committed to a young lady as serious-minded as himself equally lacking in humour and devoted mind and soul to the romantic or idealistic school of fiction they often discussed the point seriously and heatedly each tried conscientiously to convert the other as usual the attempt after a dozen protracted interviews ended in the girl's losing her temper this made severn angry girls are so unreasonable what do you suppose i care how your foolish imaginary people brush their teeth and button their suspenders and black their boots 
i know how old man smith opposite does and that is more than enough for me she cried the insight into human nature expressed itself thus he argued gloomily rubbish she rejoined the idea of a man's wasting the talents heaven has given him in describing as minutely and accurately as he can all the nasty little petty occurrences of everyday life it is sordid the beautiful shines through the dreariness as it does in the real life people live he objected stubbornly the beautiful is in the imagination she cried with some heat and the imagination is god-given it is the only direct manifestation of the divine on earth without imagination no writing can have life as this bordered on sentiment abhorred of realism severn muttered something that sounded like fiddlesticks they discussed the relation of imagination to literature on this latter basis at the conclusion of the discussion miss melville for that was her name delivered the following ultimatum well i tell you right now robert severn that i'll never marry a man who has not more soul in him than that i am very much disappointed in you i had thought you possessed of more nobility of character don't say that lucy he begged in genuine alarm serious-minded youths never know enough not to believe what a girl says i will say that and i mean it i never want to see you again does that mean our engagement is broken he stammered uh, not daring to believe his ears i should think sir that a stronger hint would be unnecessary he bowed his head miserably isn't there anything i can do lucy i don't want to be sent off like this i do love you she considered yes there is she said after a moment you can write a romantic story and publish it in a magazine then and not until then will i forgive you she turned coldly and began to examine a photograph on the mantelpiece after an apparently interminable period receiving no reply she turned sharply well she demanded now in the interval severn had been engaged in building a hasty but interesting mental pose he had recalled to mind numerous historical and fictitious instances in which the man has been tempted by the woman to depart from his heaven-born principles in some of these instances when the woman had tempted successfully the man had dwelt thenceforth in misery and died in torment amid the execrations of mankind in others having resisted the siren he had glowed with a high and exalted happiness and finally had ascended to upper regions between applauding ranks of angels which was not realism in the least art said severn to himself is an enduring truth human passions are misleading self-sacrifice is noble he resolved on the spot to become a martyr to his art i will never do it he answered and stalked majestically from the room severn took his trouble henceforward in a becomingly serious-minded manner for many years he was about to live shrouded in gloom a gloom in whose twilight could be dimly discerned the shattered wreck of his life after a long period from the debris of said wreck he would build the structure of a great literary work of art 
which all mankind would look upon with awe but which he standing apart would eye with indifference all joy being stricken dead by his memories of the past but that was in the future just now he was in the gloom business so being a wealthy youth he decided to go far far away this was necessary in order that he might bury his grief he rather fancied battlefields and carnage but there were no wars it would add to the picture if he could return bronzed and battle-scarred but as that was impossible he resolved to return bronzed at any rate so he bought a ticket to a small town in wyoming there he and his steamer trunk boarded thompson's stage and journeyed to placer creek where the two of them he and the trunk took up their quarters in a little board-sealed room in the prairie dog hotel the place was admirably adapted for glooming it was a ramshackle affair of four streets and sixteen saloons some of the houses and all of the saloons had once been painted in front were hitching rails to the hitching rails at all times of the day were tied ponies patiently turning their tails to the wyoming breezes wyoming breezes are always going somewhere at the rate of from thirty to sixty miles an hour beyond the town in one direction were some low mountains well supplied with dark gorges narrow canyons murmuring waterfalls dashing brooks and precipitous descents beyond the town in the other direction lay a broad rolling country on which cattle and cowboys dwelt amid profanity and dust severn arose in a cold room washed his face in hard water and descended to breakfast the breakfast could not have been better adapted to beginning a day of gloom it started out with sticky oatmeal and ended with clammy cakes between which was much horror after breakfast he wandered in the dark gorges narrow canyons etc and contemplated with melancholy but approving interest his noble sacrifice and the wreck of his life thence he returned to town in town various incomprehensible individuals with a misguided sense of humour did things to him the reason of which he could not understand in the least mainly because he had himself no sense of humour misguided or otherwise the things they did frightened and bewildered him but he examined them gravely through his short-sighted spectacles noting just how they were done just how their perpetrators looked and acted and just how he felt after some days his literary instincts perforce awoke in spite of his gloom he caught himself sifting and assorting and placing things in their relative values in fine he began to conceive a western story shortly after he cleaned his fountain pen by inserting a thin card between the gold and the rubber feeder and sat down to write as he wrote he grew more and more pleased with the result the sentences became crisper and crisper the adjectives fairly sizzled poetic connotation faded as a mountain mist and he remembered and described just how alkali ike spit through his moustache which was disgusting but real it was his masterpiece he wrote on excitedly never was such a short story but then there came a pause 
he had successfully mounted his hero and started him in full flight down the dark gorge or narrow canyon i forget which pursued by the avenging band there interposed here a frightful difficulty he did not know how a man felt when pursued by an avenging band he had never been pursued by an avenging band himself what was he to do to be sure he could imagine with tolerable distinctness the sensations to be experienced in such a crisis he could have put them on paper with every appearance of realism but he had no touchstone by which to test their truth he might be unconsciously false to his art to which he had vowed allegiance at such cost it would never do so naturally he did the obvious thing that is to say the obvious thing to a serious-minded writer with no sense of humour he went forth and sought an acquaintance named colorado jim and made to him a proposition it took severn just two hours and six drinks to persuade colorado jim at the end of that time colorado jim in his turn went forth shaking his head doubtfully and emitting from time to time cavernous chuckles which bubbled up from his interior after the well-known manner of the old faithful geyser he hunted out six partners of his own pards he called them to whom he spoke at length the six pards stared at colorado jim in gasping silence for some time then the seven went into a committee of the whole the decision of the committee was that the tenderfoot was undoubtedly crazy harmless and to be humoured at a price besides the humouring would be fun after a number of drinks colorado jim and the pards concluded that it would be lots of fun early the next morning they rode out of town in the direction of the hills at the entrance to the dark gorge or deep canyon they met severn also mounted after greetings the latter distributed certain small articles now said he most gravely i will ride ahead about as far as that rock there and when i get ready to start i will wave my hand you are to chase me just as you'd chase a real horse-thief and i'll try to keep ahead of you you keep shooting with the blank cartridges as fast as you can understand they said they did they did not but it was fun severn rode to the boulder in the dark gorge i am sure it was the dark gorge and turned the pards were lined up in eagerness for the start they had made side bets as to who would get there first he waved his hand and stuck spurs to his horse the pursuit began the horse on which severn was mounted was a good one the way he climbed up through that dark gorge was a caution to thoroughbreds behind whooped the joyous seven and the cracking of pistols was a delight to the ear the outfit swept up the gulch like a whirlwind severn became quite excited the swift motion was exhilarating he mentally noted at least a hundred and ten most realistic minor details he felt that his money had not been wasted and then he noticed that he was gradually drawing ahead of his pursuit better and better he would not only experience pursuit but he would achieve in his own person a genuine escape for he knew that whatever the mythical character of the bullets the westerners had a real enough intention of racing each other and him to the top of the ridge he plied his quirt and looked back the pursuers were actually dropping behind 
even to his inexperienced eye their animals showed signs of distress at this place the narrow gulch divided severn turned to the left as being more nearly level down from the right-hand bisection came the boys of the triangle x outfit to the boys of the triangle x outfit but one course was open here were colorado jim and the pards on foundered horses pursuing a rapid individual who was escaping only too easily never desert a comrade the triangle x boys uttered whoops and joined the game at speed not gaining as rapidly as they wished they produced long revolvers and began to shoot it is a little difficult to hit anything from a running horse severn heard the reports and congratulated himself on the realistic qualities of his little drama then suddenly his hat went spinning from his head at the same instant a bullet ploughed through the leather on his pommel zip zip went other bullets past his ears the boys of triangle x outfit were beginning to get the range he looked back to his horror he discovered that colorado jim and the pards had disappeared and that their places had been taken by a number of maniacs on jumping little ponies the maniacs were yelling yip 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 and shooting at him he could not understand it in the least but the bullets were mighty convincing he used his quirt and spurs if severn really wished to experience the feelings of a man pursued he attained his desire it is not pleasant to be shot at severn entertained sensations of varied coherence but one and all of a vividness which was of the greatest literary value only he was not in a mood to appreciate literary values he attended strictly to business which was to lift the excellent animal on which he was mounted as rapidly as possible over the ground in this he attained a moderate success venturing a backward glance after a few moments he noted with pleasure that the distance between himself and the maniacs had sensibly increased then one of those zipping bullets passed between his body and his arm cut off three heavy locks of the horse's mane and entered the base of the poor animal's skull severn suddenly found himself in the road the maniacs swept up at speed reining in suddenly at the distance of three feet in such a manner as to scatter much gravel over him severn sat up the maniacs with commendable promptness jerked severn to his feet several more bent over his horse jesses i thought shouted one of these jesses i thought he stole this cayuse this is hank smith's bronc i'd know him anywhere that's right bar o brand cried several then men who held him yanked severn here and there end of your rope this trip steal horses will ye said they i didn't steal the horse cried poor severn i hired him from smith a roar of laughter greeted this statement hired colorado and the boys to chase you too didn't ye suggested one with heavy sarcasm well yes i did answered severn sincerely they laughed again a nerve said they near the fallen horse several began discussing the affair i tell you i know i done it argued one i catched him between the sights just fair as could be gwan he flummoxed just i cut loose well boys said the leader impatiently get along a man came forward and silently threw a loop about severn's neck in wyoming they hang horse thieves 
severn realized this and told them all about everything they listened to him and laughed delightedly never had they hanged such a funny horse-thief they appreciated his efforts to amuse them and assured him often that he was a peach when he paused they encouraged him to say some more at every new disclosure they chuckled with admiration as though at a tremendous but splendid lie severn was getting more realistic experience in ten minutes than he had had in all his previous life but realistic experience does not do one much good at the end of a rope on top of a wyoming mountain then after a little they deftly threw the coil of rope over the limb of a tree and hung him up and left him they did not shoot him full of holes as is the usual custom he had been a funny horse thief so in return they were lenient severn kicked dancing good they observed as they turned the corner around the corner they met the frantic james they cut severn down and worked over him for some time then they carried him down to placer creek and worked over him a lot more the triangle x boys were distinctly aggrieved they had applauded those splendid lies and now they turned out not to be lies at all but merely an extremely crazy sort of truth they relieved their feelings by getting very drunk and shooting out the lights it took severn a week to get over it ten days after that he returned east he had finished a masterpiece the flight down the canyon was pictured so vividly that you could almost hear the crack of the pistols and the hero sentiments were so well described that in reading about them you became excited yourself severn read it three times and he thought it as good the third time as the first then he copied it all out on the typewriter this is the severest test a writer can give his work the most sparkling tale loses its freshness when run through the machine especially if the unfortunate author cannot make the thing go very fast it seemed as good even after this ordeal behold said he congratulating himself this is the best story i ever wrote blamed if it isn't one of the best stories i ever read your romanticists claim that the realistic story has no charm nor excitement nor psychical thrill this'll show em so he hurried to deliver it to brown then he posed industriously to himself and tried hard to do some more glooming but it was difficult work some way he felt his cause not hopeless the masterpiece would go far to convince her that he was right after all three days later he received a note from brown asking him to call he did so the editor handed him back his story more in sorrow than in anger and spoke reprovingly about deserting one's principles brown was conscientious he believed that the past counted nothing in face of the present severn pressed for an explanation then said brown severn i have used much of your stuff and i have liked it the sentences have been crisp the adjectives have been served hot you have eschewed poetic connotation and above all you have shown men and life as they are i am sorry to see that you have departed from that noble ideal but cried severn in expostulation do not these qualities appear in my story at first they do responded brown but later ah he sighed what do you mean the ride down the canyon he explained the sentences are crisp and the adjectives hot 
but alas there is much poetic connotation and so far from representing real life it seems to me only the purpuroid lucubrations of a disordered imagination why that part is the most realistic in the whole thing cried the unhappy author in distress no replied the editor firmly it is not it is not realism at all even if there were nothing objectionable about the incident the man's feelings are frightfully overdrawn no man ever was such an everlasting coward as you make out your hero i should be glad to see something else of yours but that no somewhat damped severn took his manuscript home with him there he re-read it all his old enthusiasm returned it was exactly true realism could have had no more accurate exposition of its principles he cursed brown and enclosed stamps to the decade after a time he received a cheque and a flattering letter realism stood vindicated in due course the story appeared during the interim severn had found that his glooming was becoming altogether too realistic for his peace of mind as time went on and he saw nothing of lucy melville he began to realize that perhaps after all he was making a mistake somewhere at certain recklessly immoral moments he even thought a very little of proving false to art to such depths can the human soul descend the evening after the appearance of his story in the decade he was sitting in front of his open fire in very much that mood the lamp had not been lighted to him came mortimer his man a lady to see you sir no name he announced solemnly severn arose in some surprise light the lamp and show her up he commanded wondering who she could be at the sound of his voice the visitor pushed into the room past mortimer never mind the lamp cried lucy melville the faithful mortimer left the room and officially heard no more why lucy cried severn in the dim light he could see that her cheeks were glowing with excitement she crossed the room swiftly and put her hands on his shoulders bob she said gravely with tears in her eyes i know i ought not to be here but i just couldn't help it after you were so noble and it won't matter for i'm going in just a minute severn cast his mind back in review of his noble acts what is it lucy he inquired as if you could ask she cried i never knew of a man's doing so tactful and graceful and beautiful a thing in my life and i don't care a bit and i believe you were right after all right about what he begged getting more and more bewildered about the realism of course she looked up at him again pointing out her chin in the most adorable fashion even serious-minded men have moments of lucidity severn had one now oh no you mustn't bob dear she cried blushing but really bob she went on after a moment even if realism is all right you must admit that your last story is the best thing you ever wrote why yes i do think so he agreed wondering what that had to do with it i'm so glad you do do you know bob she continued happily i read it all through before i noticed whose it was and i kept saying to myself i do wish bob could see this story i'm sure it would convince him that imagination is better than realism 
for really bob she cried with enthusiasm it is the best imaginative story i ever read and when i got to the end and saw the signature and realized that you had deserted your literary principles just for my sake and had actually gone to work and written such a splendid imaginative story after all you had said and then too when i realized what a delicate way you had taken to let me know because of course i never read that magazine of brown's oh bob she concluded quite out of breath severn hesitated for almost a minute he saw his duty plainly he was serious-minded he had no sense of humour then she looked up at him as before pointing her chin out in the most adorable fashion oh bob again i really don't think you ought to and art oh where was it end of story five